Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about self-care, productivity, and keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so grab yours and let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 88. Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome back if you are a returning listener and welcome if you are new, which I feel some of you may be because um, the wonderful Pat Sloan um, has shared about my podcast through her Table Topper book tour, which I'll get to in a little bit. So if you are new around here, you are very, very welcome. Um, So it is the end of May here and uh, it has been just absolutely, we've just been having lovely weather here in Southern California. Um, We recently just had Mother's Day. It was my very first Mother's Day with no children at home. So that was a little bit sad, but um, my husband took good care of me (laughs) on Mother's Day. We actually went to Descanso Gardens, which is kind of near Pasadena, California, which we've done on other Mother's Days, which was not as well received by the children (laughs) as it was for me. So um, it was nice to to go there. And this time of year in May, obviously, the the whole... um, they have this gorgeous rose garden area and it's what I really like about it as much as yes I love roses you know I kind of like old-fashioned roses the the more single uh, row of petal type and climbing roses that kind of stuff um, but what I, I find rose gardens sometimes a little bit sterile because there seems to be like this, these rose bushes you know like just set in a grid you know and not a lot around them but in this rose garden at Descanso Gardens it is interplanted with so many other blooms just the colors were amazing um yeah and they just have all these gazebos and um benches and and arbors and just so much architectural things to look at oh it was very fun so that was wonderful um my family gave me some wind chimes. Um, I like the the lower register wind chimes. <laughs> the the uh, box said that these were hand tuned to the key of D and hung them up. And I never realized kind of how often we have breezy weather here because they're kind of going a lot of the day. And I not in an irritating way, at least to me, have not interviewed my neighbors about it. Um, but they're just they're just gorgeous and that's kind of been a tradition for me to get uh, to, to for mother's day to get something that enhances the backyard i have this big swing chair that i absolutely love last year i did these big planters and um and now wind chimes so it's just making that outdoor space that we spend so much time in just uh, more and more cozy but um we are in the middle of a drought here and so we are really limited in our watering and we are taking it seriously. We're only allowed to water once a week. And um, it's showing. It's showing. The grass especially, um, which we do like. We have a, you know, it's, we're in Southern California. We have a pretty small yard. But it is big enough to play with the dogs and give them a place to do their business and throw a ball for them. But it's it's getting pretty crispy looking. But the rest of our, I have, you know, kind of a cottage garden out there that we planted. Let's see, my son is 22. We did it and I was pregnant like 23 years ago. We planted these big borders. Um, and that so those plants are relatively established and they are definitely weathering this better than... Um, better than the grass but we we are very serious I now have a, a bucket that I keep in the kitchen every time I turn on the water to wait for warm water to like do the dishes or something I capture all that water I use it to water all the 
the container plants outside. Um, you know, when I've got like a half a glass of water that I would normally just toss down the sink, like from the day before, I use that to water plants now. <laughs> You know, I remember hearing some woman years ago during the drought, like if an ice cube fell on the floor, she would pick it up and put it in a plant. And yeah, that, that's where we're at. We're saving absolutely every drop of water. But, um, you know, we will do what we need to do to, to get through this together. But if, so even though the kids didn't come home for Mother's Day, they did come home, I don't know, a week or so later, two of the three anyway. So that was, it's always nice to have some kids home and we, you know, kind of pull out all the stops for cooking. <laughs> <laughs> when the kids are home to give them, you know, what they're not getting as uh, they either are cooking for themselves or at school. Lots of cooking, lots of treats. We had um, a really good time. And uh, this is this whole summer starting off pretty busy. I've got two college graduations um, in the next couple weeks. Uh, my daughter graduated in 2020 and, and did not get the ceremony, right? So they are doing a, a do-over at UC San Diego. Um, on like in June, like on a Friday night. And then my son, um, also UC San Diego, graduates the next morning on Saturday. So we get to knock out two graduations <laughs> in one weekend. And, uh, and then I come home. And the next day I leave for a business trip in Las Vegas for about five days. And um, I don't know, I got to be honest with you, I'm not really looking forward to, uh, to going to Las Vegas during a pandemic. Um, but I feel like I kind of need to do it uh, for my business. And um, I am double boosted, so I've just taken every precaution, you know, that I can. And I do, I don't like Las Vegas. I've been, I'm glad I've been, you know, like everyone maybe should experience that, but I've probably been a half dozen times. So I will do no gambling. I will do no roaming around the casinos. Um, I will eat outside as much as possible. So uh, yeah, so just kind of a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff coming up. So that's kind of it on the life update before we Head into the quilting segment. I'd like to thank the Fat Quarter Shop. Once again, love the Fat Quarter Shop. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. What I want to talk to you about today is the Fat Quarter Shop is doing another quilt along. They do so many and they are so fun, but this one really got me. <laughs> it is the Great Granny Squared um, Quilt Along, and it is based on a book by Lori Holt. You might know her as B. Lori, um, called um, Great Granny Squared. And so the way this is working is they are doing um, two blocks a week through the summer. So this starts on June 3rd. Um, I actually have forgotten to order my book, which I will do today. Um, so I might be a little bit behind, but you know, no big deal. You can jump in anytime. So the patterns in this book, the book's been around for a while. It should not be any trouble finding it. And it makes a, a pretty large quilt. It's like 72 by 85. And um, I don't usually make quilts for beds. I make them as throw quilts. So I will probably leave off the borders. Um, she's got a couple cute, um, what are they called? Square and a square or economy block style borders. I will probably leave those off. I am going to use a fat quarter bundle that I have from my stash. I talked about last week that I wanted to just use what I have. That's my theme for this year is to use what you have. And I have a actually two fat quarters bundles of this line from years ago from um, Sadif Imher uh, down Grapevine Lane is her handle. And it was one of her first lines and it was called uh, Sweet Prairie. It's a kind of peachy pinks. And I just 
loved it. And I ended up getting two fat quarter bundles and backing. So I am well equipped to do a quilt with that. But I think this will only take one um, fat quarter bundle. Um, the great granny squared, it's, it's the granny block, but I think she calls it great granny squared because her little twist on it is, I think she makes it one layer bigger. So they're pretty big blocks. Um, I haven't really checked, but I assume built on two and a half inch squares. So don't quote me on that, but if that's true, then also jelly rolls would be perfect for this. It's also perfect for scraps. So if you are also trying to use up your stash, um, then that would be perfect for that. And along with the um, quilt along, they are doing a crochet along. If you're into that, doing with the, the granny squares. And if you're into cross stitch, they have this pattern as a cross stitch. So I love how they kind of just, you know, whatever is your jam, you can, uh, you know, do, you can craft along with the fat quarter shop so you just need the the book to get started i'll put a link in the show notes you can get it obviously at fat quarter shop um, and i hope you'll join me i think it's going to be a lot of fun all right let's talk quilting so i'm recording today on um, may 27th and this is my day that is the the stop on the pat sloan tantalizing table topper <laughs> love a good alliteration book tour and uh, so I have talked about this project on the podcast before here. I used a layer cake um, from Moda, the French general line, uh, La Vie Bohème is the line, and I just love it. So I got that at the Fat Quarter Shop, and it is so perfect. It's a, um, I called it herringbone. Um, some people have called it chevron or a braid style. And the layer cake was perfect because you needed two and a half by 10 inch strips and a layer cake is 10 by 10. So I just was able to um, chop up not even the whole layer cake. I, um, what did I use for the back? I can't even remember. I think I just use a white back. I have a hard time. I know I will never see the back of a table topper. So I think I just use some like plain white fabric, but you could also use up the rest of your table top, the rest of your layer cake as uh, the back of this runner and be super efficient with your, um, with your fabric and use up what you have. So um, it's simple piecing. It's just, you know, you just, uh, it's a herringbone thing. So you just sew one strip on at a time. And it was, it's the perfect kind of project to have a little, if you have it, a little ironing station set up right next to you. So you could just iron the thing, the seam you just sewed, place the next um, strip, sew, iron, sew, iron, just I listen to an audiobook, mindless, you know, piecing. That is my zen. That is my jam. <laughs> that is why I love sewing. So that was very fun. Um, I can't remember how much I talked about this on a previous podcast, but um, I had gotten two fabrics to use as borders. Now, I don't usually use borders on quilts. Um, I just, I don't know how to quilt them. I just kind of like the way things look. I think they look a little modern without the borders. It's just a personal choice. I've definitely put borders on quilts, especially ones that I needed to make bigger. But, um, so I thought about leaving them off, but I wanted the width that this was going to give me on the on the table topper project. I also made it a little longer than the pattern. She has you trim it so that um, when you cut borders, you don't need to piece them at all. They don't have, um, a seam so they are like so it's I guess it's probably 40 inches but I wanted mine longer I don't mind piecing um, a border so I had gotten an off-white and um, like this French blue and I decided to do the blue because I loved the color blue um, and I put it together and I don't know there was part of me that just made I thought it looked a little stodgy a little 80s French country and I was like yeah that's not quite the quite what I'm looking for so I took it off 
And um, ultimately, I just got some linen from my stash. And the combination of these French general fabrics and linen, I, I just feel like you can't beat it. So I love the way that worked out. I just, um, the borders were two and a half inches. And when I do binding, I do two and a quarter inches. So I just trimmed those strips down, which was perfect because, you know, I'd rip them off. And so I could just kind of trim in a way where that seam allowance was. And, uh, and I loved the binding in blue. So I put it on to take pictures, bought some flowers from Trader Joe's <laughs> and, um, I'm never taking it off. It's perfect. And it's, you know, French general often, um, is kind of more in the dusties, but it's, um, you know, red, white, and blue, but not in a, like a super, you know, primary patriotic way, but it, it is. So it's, just, it's the perfect kind of color scheme for, for spring and summer. So very happy about that. I will put, um, a link in the show notes to some photos and I'll put a link to my my blog post if you get over there you'll see the blog post and um, and you might want to just visit if you go to that blog post I've linked to everybody who was on it there's two people a day for like I don't know 10 days or something so many amazing people um, on this tour with really cute creative projects you know Bonnie Hunter polka dot chair um, even Orophil and fat quarter shop they're all on the tour so um, definitely go check that out so that project um, you, know, you know that's another thing about table toppers is I, I love that I can change them up I've got quite a few at this point so I don't really care if somebody spills on it or whatever um, easy to wash and dry and, and throw back on but they're just so quick you know it's like sometimes you, you get in the middle of a long quilt project and you just need a win right so table toppers um, perfect for that what else um, I think the last uh podcast episode I had finished quilting hand quilting my harmony block from the um, hand piece quilt along that I did and now that is um, I've done the binding and that is is done um, you know I keep thinking about if I want to move my sewing space up to my daughter's room which I'm not sure I can make work for a number of reasons but I would love I've got a number of mini quilts and I would love to just have them all over the walls and uh, I don't really have a place to do that. I've got a cup. Yeah, I don't know. I have a handful in my my sewing space, but I'm just like in a dining room alcove. And um, if I really decorated that way, I would have to displace photos of my children when they are like two years old. And obviously, that is not happening. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, I've got a, a couple good um, finishes under my belt, which I'm excited about. And now that I've got some sort of hand quilting momentum. I still have my handpiece quilts along uh, number two, which we call book club. And I am hand quilting concentric circles on that one. And just from cardboard templates that I cut out and I just had completely lost um, traction on that project a year or more ago. And I'm now really hoping that I have, that is in a bag with the, 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 a thread that I am using because <laughs> it is it's some shade it's some it's obviously orophil probably either 40 weight or no either 28 or 12 weight of some shade of off-white <laughs> but I have a lot of those so I hope that I had the foresight to keep that project together um, speaking of keeping projects together um, the fat quarter shop has these great project bags. So a while back, they sent me one that's quite large, like probably, I didn't bring it in here. I'm gonna say 
it's you know like maybe 24 inches tall maybe it's 18 um, and then you know probably 13 inches wide something like that and that what is in that project right now is my big um, elementary wrap that I'm knitting it, it had exceeded the space of all my other project bags so that's perfect for that but they have these new ones if you hear this crinkling um, this one is still in the plastic bag it is called mad for plaid project bags and I have three of these I have a pink one a blue one and this green one which I haven't even gotten to yet and they are perfect so they are 10 and a half inches tall 13 inches wide and three and a quarters inch deep so they have a gusset so it's not just like a lot of project bags are kind of just like a you know two pieces of fabric with the zipper you know what I mean they're flat this one has some dimension to it and um, what's cute about these bags is they've got this cute little design on the outside as do the bigger ones but they are made of what um, I'm not a cross stitcher so but I think it's it's basically called Ada cloth so it's they're plastic um, but they have uh, a little grid it's like little holes it's a mesh but it's stiff so you can see through it a little bit um, but it um, also has a really cute design and they're just the perfect size so right now I, I'll talk about it in a little bit I'm into knitting hats so I've got a bag for that um, I've got I put my um, uh, my hand quilting project in one a little while ago to uh, now I'm not do did I put the thread in there I don't remember so it's like any kind of project bag any kind of handwork you want to be able to um, move around these are the perfect size for it and I try to make little um, packages for each of my project bags because I don't know, do we all have like extra scissors and needles and thimbles and thread so I try to keep everything I need with that project um, so that I don't I'm not you know sitting down and going oh I don't have any scissors here or oh like I don't know I need I need some clips or whatever I like to have everything I need in each project bag and um, that has worked really well for me so I'm totally loving um, loving those so I was searching for what my next quilt project was going to be and the great granny square just fell in my lap so I am definitely going to be plugging away um, on that for the summer and two blocks a week is kind of perfect I know during the summer I often don't really like to sit at my machine I like to sit outside so doing hand quilting or knitting is kind of a good choice for me so speaking of knitting I have fallen in love with knitting again and thank you to um, now I can't remember your name but whoever suggested the knots of love which is a um, a charity organization where you can knit um, hats for people undergoing chemo and preemies I haven't seen the pattern for preemies though I, I'm just doing the, the chemo caps as a breast cancer survivor I think that's it's a it's a wonderful idea I'm on my third hat I'm on the decreases I'm coming up the crown um, right now just using stash yarn of this kind of um, mottled gray uh, color but when my daughter was here um, last weekend she's a crocheter can't really get her on the knitting bandwagon it's so funny it's like I feel like so many people you are knit or crochet <laughs> but they have tons of crochet patterns as well so we just went over to Michael's with the um, approved yarn list and um, and found some yarn some <laughs> some actual colors um, for me so I had her get two colors that work together I was able to get two hats out of one skein but not quite enough for another so I'm just like okay so we'll get two different colors and then with the leftovers you can do a two-tone hat so I'm um, excited that she's going to work on that and then we will send all our hats in together so that has been really fun I will take a picture um, put it in the show notes of just the simple hat design that um, 
that I've been loving knitting. I've printed out a few more designs um, so I can um, you know try things that are a little bit different but um, that has been so perfect because I've been kind of really into listening to audiobooks again so just like sitting outside listening to an audiobook knitting is uh, just been awesome. I did this last week but I'll put a link to, in the show notes to Knots of Love so if you are a knitter and you live in a uh, warm climate and you can't figure out what to knit <laughs> <laughs> this might be the exact right thing for you. Um, or if you just uh, enjoy knitting for others, it's a, it's a great cause. As I pause to take a sip of tea here, I realize once again, I have forgotten to talk about my cup of tea. What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking Harney and Sons Earl Grey Supreme. So I'm working my way through this um, gift box of... <laughs> <laughs> of Harney and Sons wa uh, wine, ha, tea that my son gave me for my birthday. And um, I don't often drink the caffeinated teas here in the morning, but I'm, I'm taking a risk for you guys. And it is delicious. I love Earl Grey. And this Earl Grey Supreme is amazing. I will put a link in the show notes if you want to, to give it a try. All right, let's move on to books. So I've got a lot of books to talk about. Um, and some of it are books that I've talked about um, on other podcasts, um, but finally finished. So <laughs> I think it was been my my third run at The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek. I finally finished it and I loved it. I don't know why I just didn't get traction on this story earlier, but I think I started it as a paper book and then I think I had it as an ebook. Eventually I listened to it as an audio book didn't finish it, had to return it. And so I got it again and it start as an audiobook and it started right where I left off. I just backed up a chapter or two and um, continued on and it um, it was worth it. I'm like, what what was your problem? It reminds me of it took me a half dozen tries to read Jane Eyre. I ever since high school I would just I, I, I would just lose traction on this book. And at some point as an adult, I picked it up and realized that I had always given it up at about the same place. And the book totally picked up right after that spot. <laughs> um, it's, it's the part where after she, she runs away and she leaves uh, Mr. Rochester and she finds some, um, some family and then things kind of just take off a different direction. And so I just was like, wow, I don't know why it took me so many tries to get through that book. That's how I feel here. If you don't know what the book Woman of Troublesome Creek is, it is about... Um, it is based on a couple true things. One is the Pack Horse Library Project, um, and this was in Kentucky, and this was um, women who actually um, brought, uh, had a library in town, and they would bring books to these people who are, you know, in the mountains, in the Appalachians, um, and they would have a route, and they would bring books and take them back every week, and they would create these scrapbooks of of recipes and patterns and gardening tips that they would then leave and pass from patron to patron. It was an amazing project. There's um, The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes also, it came out about the same time, also about um, the, the Pack Horse, um, what do I just call it, the Pack Horse Library Project. This one has the additional little twist um, that the, this bookwoman is from a real, um, it's based on a real family in Kentucky who had blue skin. They had a, um, a genetic thing where they were missing an enzyme uh, that oxygenated their blood. Actually, it, it did not cause them health problems. They were, 
if they were not discriminated against and, you know, lynched or shot, they lived into their 90s, which is unusual. Um, this, this is around, this book takes place in the 30s. And um, so this uh, woman, um, the main character of the book, who, of course, her name, Cussie Mary, that's what her name was. Um, they also call her Blue, Blue It. Um, she, you know, she has a rough time of it. She's a young woman. She's heavily discriminated against because she's blue. <laughs> but she makes a life for her, um, you know, delivering these library books. It's, it's like everything to her. And, um, but there's obviously there's, there's lots of issues in her discrimination, um, trying to treat her illness. Um, you know, there's a lot going on here. So I definitely recommend. And if you feel it's a little s slow at the beginning, push through. I think it's worth it. I also finished Round Robin by Jennifer Cheverini. Um, so I'm kind of doing a low-key reread, I think. I'm only two books in. That's a big statement to make of the um, Elm Creek um, Quilters books. And um, so I'm just two books in. And it's even though I have read them now, it's been I don't know, 10 plus years since I've read these. And it's fun. It's like the books are familiar, but I've forgotten a lot of the details. And I have to say the end of round Robin, I cried. I was, it was very, very emotional. So um, I highly recommend that. Um, so I'm going to uh, need to figure out what the third book is and, and kind of just keep doing that. That has been a lot of fun. I went and picked up a couple books at the library recently. Um, you know, I do a lot of ebook and audiobook stuff. So I do it all through Libby, through, um, I have four libraries that I can draw from, thank goodness. But every once in a while, um, I get a book that is not available that way. And one of them I want to talk about, um, and I'll talk about in a minute, is the Half Baked Harvest Cookbook. So I went in and got that as a real life book. And um, I saw on the new arrival shelf that there is a new V.I. Warshawski book. So I don't know if you have ever read Sarah Paretsky um, back in the, I don't know, 90s, I guess. Um, I got really into her series of books of V.I. Warshawski. They even made, they kind of crammed three books into a movie um, starring Kathleen Turner. But this V.I. Warshawski is a fabulous private detective character totally into those books and I remember thinking that she was done with the series and I would check back and it seemed like she wasn't going to write anymore well then I stopped checking and apparently she has started up again so there is a new book out it is called Overboard but when I went to look I'm like okay she actually has released over the last I don't know five six years a handful of books in the V.I. Wachowski series so I need to figure out where I dropped off and go back and read those and nothing is more exciting to me than finding a new series that I like or that you know a favorite series has continued so I am very excited about that no idea if that book is any good I'm just saying if you were ever into that um, just like I at the same time that I was into V.I. Wachowski is when I discovered the Sue Grafton novels the alphabet murders and it's sad I don't I know I, re I read why Y is for something, and I don't know that she ever got to Z before she died. I'll have to check that out, too. But anyway, speaking of mysteries, I couldn't believe that I hadn't talked about this book. I went back and checked my own show notes to see if I listed the book. Um, but I, re I read a book called Telling Tales um, by Anne Cleves, and it is the Vera Stanhope um, 
whatever detective series. It's the second book in the series, and I don't even know. I think it. I think I got it as a bookbub. You know, dollar ninety nine. That's where I get a lot of my ebooks. Is is bookbub, and um, it was a very it was a fun story. It was um, about this uh, name character, basically this uh, woman, uh, young woman in her twenties, married, small with a baby, Emma, whose best friend had been murdered. 10 years before so that when she was like 15 and so that obviously really shaped her her life was this huge event that this happened and a uh another woman was um, convicted of that murder and put in prison she the woman who was convicted always maintained her innocence and was um up for parole and um you know while maintaining her innocence and it was she was rejected for parole and she commits suicide and then after she commits suicide it comes out that in fact she was innocent and so they bring in a a detective to try to find out what went wrong 10 years ago when the wrong person was um was convicted of this crime so it just kind of brings it all up again everyone has is including our our protagonist here emma is having to relive the 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 whole situation and vera she's kind of a um an interesting um detective here she's older like i i'm getting the impression she's like well into her 60s she's a little a little dumpy she's a little harsh people don't really like her (laughs) but she gets the job done um so there are lots of, of twists and turns that had a great ending. So I was like, okay, I like this woman. Let me see what else she's done. Well, and I hope I haven't talked about this before, but if I have, indulge me. Um, it turns out that she is the writer of another series of mystery books um, called uh, Shetland. And there is a whole TV series, Shetland, based in the Shetland Islands, that I loved. Um, I it's hard to get some of the later seasons I've watched everything available to me and I'm still trying to figure out I don't know where to find season five plus and still haven't figured that out but I'm like oh there are Shetland books I had no idea so I started the first one which is called Raven Black and um, I am enjoying that but I did not get it read before I had to return it and there's three people waiting and I couldn't extend it (laughs) so I will definitely get back to that one but that's also exciting to me I'm like okay no not only do I have a whole VR Wachowski series to check out but now this whole Shetland series and she also has written this whole Vera Stanhope series so I just feel like I have an embarrassment of riches of mysteries uh, before me but um, I know I'm kind of into the whole mystery genre. If that does not float your boat, the modern Mrs. Darcy, um, she, she's a blogger. I'm trying to think of her name. Her name is Anne something that is escaping me right now. Um, it will probably just pop in my head and I will just shout it out you. But anyways, she, she's a blogger. She's very focused on reading. She does, um, I think maybe even two reading podcasts, which I do not listen to because I do not need more ideas of things to read Um, but she just put out her summer reading guide which she does every year and it's free and it's I don't even know how many books it's a beautifully done kind of like um, you know a pdf of books in all different genres Um, so I downloaded that and you know realized I have read a number of these but um, I'm definitely hanging on to that for for future ideas I'll put a link over to her blog post um, where she um that's available in the show notes but if you just want to you know google it it's the modern mrs darcy summer reading list 
All right, let's move on to things that we can watch while we sew or knit or do whatever we do or just sit there and watch. First of all, also when my daughter came home, we went and saw the new Downton Abbey movie. So exciting. So exciting. I think last podcast I talked about a cute little trailer that was a recap of the first movie done by Mosley. And I promised you I'd put a link in the show notes and I couldn't find it on YouTube. Um, so I just put a trailer to Downton Abbey. But fear not, if you go see the movie Downton Abbey, they start with that trailer. <laughs> um, that gives you like a recap of what happened in the last movie. It's like previously on Downton Abbey. So this is called Downton Abbey, A New Era. And it was delightful. I absolutely have no problem going on record here saying that the Downton Abbey movies are not great film. What do I want to say? They're not great storytelling, I guess. Visually, obviously, it's amazing. Um, And it's funny. And I do think that the second one was better than the first one. And at first, and I said this to my daughters, we're walking out. I'm like, okay, I think that the problem with the first one is it a problem? I don't know. That they try to give everybody a storyline. They they want to you they want you to spend time with every character that you love and be involved in something that's happening in their life. So you know, there's one cohesive event, which for the first movie was the king and queen coming for tea, and the second movie is um, they are going to actually film a movie at Downton Abbey as a as a set, which they are doing because they need money to keep this house going. Um, and so that's the one cohesive storyline, but then everybody has their own lives going on, right? Upstairs, downstairs, all of them. And so it just felt very scattered, but also delightful because, you know, I'm just happy to be there in their company again. And so I said to Chloe on the way out, I'm like, okay, I think that, you know, it was more cohesive that there wasn't like a storyline for everybody. And she looks at me, she's like, who didn't have a storyline? It's exactly like the first one. Absolutely. And she she just starts listing them off. I'm like, Okay, no, you're right. But somehow it didn't seem as scattered to me. So um, it was the first time I've been in a movie theater in years. Um, It was like there were 12 people in the movie theater, so it it was really no big deal. But also is in one of those um, theaters that like we only seem to have these days where you have a waiter and you can order dinner and stuff, which I have zero interest in doing. So I always feel really weird that we are the only people not eating and drinking a martini while we're watching this film. <laughs> so I just, can we just bring back the, the old fashioned movie theaters? Um, so Downton Abbey, absolutely. If you are a fan, you will love it. So that's obviously the only movie um, that I've been to recently. But again, um, there's so much good TV out, out right now. So we finished um, Picard, which I talked about last time. Um, you know, they don't always end, you know, uh, seasons well on shows. But Picard had a great ending, was absolutely delightful. Really enjoyed that way more than uh, Star Trek Discovery. And so then, of course, we had to move on to the next Star Trek, which is called Strange New Worlds. And that was great. I think I used to really love Discovery, but I, I feel like Strange New Worlds has maybe supplanted that. Picard will always be my favorite. So Strange New Worlds is going back in time where um, 
Spock is is so it, it, the original Star Trek series you have Captain Kirk and then Spock is his number one. In this case, Spock is the science officer. Like he's he's kind of new. They are on the Enterprise, and Uhura from the first series is a brand new ensign. So all these people are like way younger than you would you knew them when Captain Kirk was the captain, and um, Christopher Pike is the captain which if you watch the very first series, you kind of know what happens with him. Um, and uh, so it's it's just, it's absolutely delightful. So that's called Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We also watched and finished 1883. So this is, <laughs> there are no new ideas in the world anymore. This is the, the prequel to Yellowstone. Um, and, you know, I'm not into Westerns. But, and this was a full-on Western wagon train show. Um, it was so good. It was so good. So this is the story. If you watched Yellowstone, you know that the Dutton family owns the largest ranch in Montana. And so now we are going back and we are trying to figure this out. I think the character that Clint Black plays here would be the current John Dutton, who's old in Yellowstone. That's Kevin Costner. Um... I think that it is his great great grandfather. His name's James Dutton, and it is the story of his family coming from Tennessee. They're actually on the Oregon Trail, headed to Oregon um, because there's free land in Oregon. And um, he's bringing his family. So it's Clint Black and Faith Hill are the are the um, the mom and dad in this uh, scenario. And I was very skeptical about them being decent actors. In my opinion, they are both fabulous. Uh, my husband and I have this thing about when when you bring other people who are, are even good public speakers or whatever. I remember Madam Secretary had Madam Albright, Hillary Clinton, and Colin Powell on an episode as previous uh, secretaries of state. And there is something about the way they deliver their lines that is not like bad, but somehow it is, you can just tell they're not actors. It's like it somehow does not sound as natural as an actor. So I feel like I can always tell when people are pushing um, you know, out of their comfort zone, but Clint Black and Faith Hill are so good in this. So the story is narrated by their teenage daughter as they are on this wagon train um, headed to Oregon. And man, everything goes wrong. Everything goes wrong. It just, you know, you know, you hear about how hard the Oregon Trail was, right? But when you see it and like, you just like never realized, you think rivers are a good thing, right? That's where you get the fresh water. Rivers are a disaster. Trying to get people and horses and cows and wagons across rivers is, a, it's a huge thing. Um, so I just feel like I learned a lot about what life was really like and how much respect I have. Um, dramatically, it was very good. Um, it's again, another, those, one of those things where, you know, I'm just like, I'm sobbing and it was very good. So 1883, totally would not have thought that I would like this show. Didn't think I would like Yellowstone. Didn't think I would like 1883. I like 1883 way better. And it's because you are rooting for all these people because they are good people in Yellowstone. <laughs> I feel like there are no good guys. Everybody is so compromised there. But we're going back, you know, to 1883, going back over 100 years when, um, I don't know, the motives were more pure. I'm not sure, but that was really good. And wow, I, I'm almost embarrassed about the number of uh, shows I have to talk about here. I don't sit around and watch TV all day, I, I swear. But um, on PBS, 
they uh, Sanditon season two came out um, and I tried to watch it and I had no idea what was going on. I watched the last episode of the first season to remind myself, had no idea what was going on. There were only like six episodes. So I just started over. So I watched Sanditon seasons one and two and um, definitely, definitely recommend that if you are, like me, love the, um, the English period dramas. So Sanditon, I've talked about the show several times before, but it's a, um, a seaside resort in England. Um, that's, the, that's the name of the town. And there is a, one particular guy who it is, you know, he is building this town up to be a destination for people to come for their ocean cures and to be at the seaside and um, lots of beautiful, you know, apartments and housing and things like that. So he, it's his business to turn Sanditon into a resort. And... Um, on in the very first episode, as he is headed to Sanditon from a, like a trip, uh, their wagon the wheels come off, wagon breaks down, and this farmer's family helps him and his wife to get going again. And in return for their kindness, they invite um, they invite like the the family to Sanditon. The father says no, but the oldest daughter, who is probably like eighteen or something goes and so she's a, a, a of course very beautiful farmer's daughter she goes to Sanditon and is just you know it's not the big city because it's a resort but it is you know a lot of, a lot of money a lot of you know rich people there just a whole new class of people that she is exposed to and um and so that is fun the one thing that drives me crazy about this show and I looked it up and I'm not the only person there's a whole thread on reddit about it is that uh, we've got empire dresses here so what time period is this i assume like everything is the late 1800s maybe early 1900s um but this girl the actress she's got this beautiful brown long curly hair and you know eight out of ten scenes it is it is down and flowing freely in her face and all over and we all know that that is not that would never be the case in that time period those women have their hair you know the pulled and pinned and tucked and everything you know so yeah it's completely anachronous to the time it does not work but it does make her look very beautiful so there you go um so the uh the season one ends on a pretty good cliffhanger so does season two i um, mean you know who's in season one is i don't know his name but if you did watch down abbey um it, it's mr pamuk you know that guy that uh the turkish prince who you know dies in Lady Mary's bed in the first or second episode and he was also I think in Divergence so he's a very handsome actor he's a love interest in season one kind of a very Mr. Darcy situation um there but I don't want to give too much away but that's that's um Sanditon is uh, is a fun show and then before I go I know what is she just watch tv all the time but I cannot leave the section without talking about this is us which is now officially over and I will not spoil anything if you have not gotten a chance to watch it but I will tell you that they have done a fabulous job of wrapping up this series um there was a I, I kind of got behind uh, watching so I, I did a few in a row there and I was so happy that Miguel got his own episode where we finally learned something about the you know <laughs> second choice Miguel um all the way from his childhood and how he came to America to, you know, all the way through how things end up for him. So that was great. But the episode, season six, episode 17, called The Train. 
oh my gosh, I, I felt it was a masterpiece. It was a masterpiece. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling anything to you by saying that, you know, this is, you know, this is where Rebecca's going to die because we know she's dying early on in the in the series. Um, you know, we are uh, sent ahead into the future as everyone is is gathering uh, for, you know, knowing that Rebecca's time is limited. She's you know, obviously the matriarch. And so, you know, this is this is well established. So we're finally this is we're, we're there. This the scene that has been, um, you know, forecasted to us all this time. And um it is done so beautifully. It's called the train and she is walking through a train as if it was her life. And it was the most beautiful metaphor for life. And it gave them the opportunity to bring in all these people that we have um, loved over the the course of, um, of six seasons of the show. Um, uh, even William, uh, you know, Randall's father is there kind of guiding her as her guide. And, and we get to see, you know, like all, you know, sort of all the Kevins, all the Randalls, all the Kates, you know, the different ages all together. Oh, it's amazing. So um, if you have not watched that, grab some tissues and absolutely uh, go watch that. I, I watched the last season, the last episode I think it was just last night or a couple nights ago. And it was a very beautiful wrap up to the, the series, but it was quieter. It's like, it was the penultimate episode is where the whole, this is us, um, you know, genre just comes in, you know, where like you're, you're crying. It's, it's emotional. It's not necessarily that you're sad. It's just, just so beautifully written. So definitely, um, check that out. Let's take a moment here to thank Silken Sonder for sponsoring the podcast. Silken Sonder is a monthly journal subscription that I love so much. You get a new journal each month and they are beautiful quality paper, this sort of off-white, um, I don't know exactly what size, but they are not as big as a, a spiral notebook. They are spiral bound, but they're just like the perfect size. You could throw them into your purse or take with you. And every month has a new theme and a new color scheme. And as I like to think of it, a chance to start over and to really think about what you accomplished the month before and what you want to do in the coming month. So for the May um, 2022 issue, the, the theme is empowerment. And let me just tell you, so inside each month are elements that stay the same every month monthly layouts, weekly layouts, um, habit tracking, gratitude lists, mood tracking, all kinds of things, lots of blank pages um, for, for free form journaling. But also they have some journaling prompts that relate back to the, the theme. And so here's some of my favorite ones from the May issue. The, there's an empowerment exercise where um, they ask, where and when do I feel the most empowered? How can I show love to myself this week? What do I need less of in my life? Here are some amazing things I'm achieved. And here are some positive things about myself. So while I love to journal about what, you know, what I'm kind of working through or what's happened, I love these sort of journal prompts that get me thinking in a different direction that lead to some kind of interesting results once I put pen to paper. I just received my June journal and the um, theme is spontaneity. And I, I love that because it's summer and it's time for us to be spontaneous, right? 
Um, and so I was looking through this and looking at some of the spontaneity prompts. And um, some of the questions are, you know, when was the last time you said yes to something that you were on the fence about? And how did you feel about it afterwards? And um, what are some ways that you can invite more spontaneity into your life? You get the idea. So I just like the way that really opens up um, different elements of journaling for me. So the other thing I really love about uh, Silk and Sonder is that there is a social element to it. If you want to, they have what are called Silk and Sonder socials, which are events that they hold on um, Eventbrite is how you set them up. And, you know, you can, along with other people, do your monthly setup. You can do your weekly setup. You can sit there and do the coloring page. There's, usually, there's a coloring page and a recipe every time. There's all kinds of ways to, to have a sense of community about it. And I have really enjoyed that aspect of it. So if you are interested at all, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, you can use the uh, code SHE, S-H-E 15, to get 15% off a monthly journal. So maybe give it a try. All right, let's head into our last segment here, which is going to be a little bit of hodgepodge. Um, Last episode, I talked a lot about the Lazy Genius Kitchen book, which I'm really enjoying. And if you have not popped over to the Lazy Genius YouTube channel to watch the sort of um, show that she created to promote this book, where she actually goes into people's houses and uses the principles in this book to help them solve problems in their kitchen. So again, the Lazy Genius Kitchen is not a cookbook. It's how to be better in the kitchen from organization, you know, decluttering, um, having what you need, meal planning, shopping, um, actual cooking and and even storing food. Like every aspect of being in the kitchen besides the actual things you're cooking (laughs) is what she covers in there. It's like, it's how to, how to lazy genius that. So totally have been loving that and so she goes into in in her youtube series i'll put a a link in the show notes again and um, she went into sharon mcmahon's house and she helped her organize all her kitchen utensils she has gone into people's houses and helped them figure out um she's actually had a couple episodes on what i would call meal planning um one of them is like creating what she calls a meal matrix which is to like take your whole month and go and you can do it in different ways i talked about this last episode you can either go you know um meatless mondays and taco tuesdays and fish fridays or you know that type of a thing or or whatever works for you in one episode where she did the meal matrix it was really how did she do it it was more like um she would have him cook up um, a bunch of like, you know, chicken and rice at the beginning of the week. And then, you know, one day he would turn it, um, cook it, take those prepared foods that he's already cooked and do a Mexican spin on them. And another day he would do an Asian spin on them. And cause that's what worked for him. And that would never work for me. That sounds really unappealing to me, <laughs> but, um, it's, it's so fun to just look at how, how she organizes things. She has something called the liquid index where she just talks about. Um, so if you cook up some aromatics, you know, some onions and garlic and some protein, some chicken or beef, um, and maybe some vegetables in there, the liquid index is going to tell you whether you're going to turn that into a sauce. You can take those basic ingredients and you can either turn them into a sauce to put over rice or pasta, or you add a little bit more liquid to get I don't know, more like a simmer sauce type thing or more liquid. And then it's a soup, you know, like you, the, you can use the same ingredients, but the amount of liquid you use tells you like a different way to use it. Now, I think that's fascinating. I don't cook that way because I am not 
a cook by the seat of my pants person. I'm a person who kind of cooks from recipes and that works really well for me. So all these things about like, you know, just cook a bunch, a bunch of rice and, and some ground beef at the beginning of the week and then do a million things with it. That won't work for me, but it might work for you because we all think of these things a little bit different. So anyways, it's got me thinking about the kitchen. And I think I talked about I think our Tupperware is in the wrong place in the kitchen. <laughs> I might need to fix that. This weekend, I swear, I'm going through the kitchen utensils. I'm going to Sharon McMahon my kitchen utensils situation. Um, because I have a couple drawers that are not closing well. And this is always the trigger for me. Um, as I used to tell my kids too, like, this is, I feel like sock drawers. I'm like, um, so many people I think have like overstuffed sock drawers and so and I would tell the kids if you were operating on the top 10% of your socks like you just keep putting when you put your laundry away you stick your socks in there and you have to push it down to close it like let's get rid of at least half of the socks that are on the bottom that you are never using and then you will that drawer will close like a dream and that's where I am with kitchen uh, my utensils right now I think it's time to to get rid of a few things um so yeah, I'm getting the big, the itch to do the big declutter. Um, and one of the things that I think I want to do isn't everyone's, let's just call it a Tupperware cabinet or a Tupperware drawer, even though I'm not sure how many of us are really using Tupperware. I am certainly not. I have a number of glass things from Costco. I don't know what brand, like Snapware. So those have a seal and then like four flaps that snap down. And I got them when I, you know, was moving away from plastic. Um, and I have two different sort of generations of them. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's ones that are all have green lids and then there's ones with multicolored lids depending on the side. And you, like, I now can look at a glass container and know which one it is, but it's a little bit of a nightmare for everybody else. And then there's a mishmash of, you know, older plastic storage containers and some of the more cheap sort of zip, ziplock or glad type and there's part of me that wants to ditch all of that and go buy some some new pyrex I, I stumbled across this online so my problem with the snapware is that there is a seal in it and that can seal can get a little bit yucky um, over time but every time I take a seal out to clean in there I can't get it back in again so um, so I'm thinking that now that I've got all these young adult children, that maybe it's time to treat myself to a new batch of these um, storage containers and pass these down to my kids. Um, so I stumbled across somebody who was like in the lazy genius group who was getting rid of all her snapware ones. And I was like, why are you doing that? She says, my mother-in-law gives us the Pyrex version every year at Christmas. And so I looked that up and the Pyrex ones and I do have one Pyrex bowl that just has a very simple lid that, that just goes over the side. There's not these parts, the, the hinges that fall apart. There's no seal that gets gross. So um, that might be my goal is to just, you know, make that change and um, and get rid of, I'm pretty good at getting rid of things that when the, the lids that don't work and things like that. And I do like keeping the kind of the cheaper containers. Whenever we get Chinese food, they come in these little black plastic containers with lids. And I save those because when the kids come and visit and I want to send food home with them, I love using those because I do not care if I ever get them back. I don't even want them back. So um, it's nice to have some of that. But it's like, again, the lazy genius way is to figure out what matters to you. And for me, I would like to stop playing the game of which lid does this fit and how am I ever going to get this um, mildew out of the seal if I can't ever get the seal back in. So I'm trying to 
uh, work through that. If you use, if you have a, a glass storage, food storage container thing that you love, let me know um, in the show notes or something. I would love to hear um, if, if you, what you have. And I'm, I'm thinking about going Pyrex. So anyways, so the other thing that I learned from Lazy Genius is um, to do a, a, like, a summer meal plan. So here, I've got my little notebook. I did this last year and now, you know, it's a year later and I'm going to look back here. It says summer 2021. And I did try to, her, her way of categorizing foods. It didn't really work for the way my brain worked, but some of my categories were, and this is a, a lazy genius thing is stuff on a bun <laughs> or a wrap. So these are all, it's kind of like a, um, a condensed list of all the possible things that I could make that I will just focus on the summer. So when I sit down to meal plan, I don't have the entire world before me. I love personally a well curated list. This is why I shop at Trader Joe's because there is one brand of tomatoes and not a gazillion. I like people to have done the work before me to tell me the good thing. Costco is the same way. Costco, all their, you know, the, the stuff that they have there is like mid to high, mid to high end quality wise at mid prices. And like, that is my sweet spot. So I did this for myself. I created a list to draw from when I sit down to do a meal plan. So stuff on a bun, burgers, sloppy joes. I'm taking that off. We do not do sloppy joes anymore. I have something called a bacon chicken, a bacon, chicken bacon wrap. We do these grilled chicken sandwiches, all types of tacos, uh, from your ground beef to chicken, to fish, carne asada, um, chili verde. We have lots of versions of tacos. Um, and sausages. These are things that are on a bun. Um, I also have a list. We call it funny dinner. It's a charcuterie board. Um, I like to switch over to from soups to main dish salads in the summer. So I've got a barbecue chicken salad that I do, chicken Caesar, Greek salad, a Cobb salad. Um, and then we have things on the grill. So we do tri-tip and flank steak. Um, I do this whole grilled chicken and veggies, rib, pork loin, salmon. Um, and then there's things with noodles, which I do not choose anymore because of sort of blood sugar issues. But when the kids were around, which they were last summer, just your, you know, um, pasta with red sauce, chicken Parmesan. Um, I do a big main dish mac and cheese dish. Um, pizza, we're doing pizza a lot, not a lot, like every other week. Now we're doing homemade pizza because I've got a pizza peel and a, peel and a pizza stone and um, man does having the right equipment up your game absolutely am loving how well pizza comes out on a pizza stone and my new favorite pizza is um, with pesto goat cheese and kalamata olives it is delicious um, so another category of food I've got here are egg dishes. So I've got frittatas, omelets, what we call skillet dinners, huevos, huevos rancheros, quiche. These are all things that I can do with eggs. Another category is Mediterranean food, chicken shawarma, chicken gyros, Greek chicken. Um, and then I remember telling you guys this last year, um, I have a category called Ben's Not Here, which is my youngest son. <laughs> when he was the only one home last year and he will be home again this summer but I have all the things that we like that he doesn't on that list including uh, chicken curry chili Cajun skillet beans these uh, sweet potato bowl that we love so anyways you get the idea so um, so I'm going to look at what I did last year and and make my 2020 list I have a winter 2022 list do I have anything on um, my 
I have a spring 2022 list. Yeah, it's a lot of the same stuff, to be honest with you. So I'm going to make my summer list. But one way, and I, I don't want to do a ton of new recipes every week, but I did check out from the library the Half-Bake Harvest Everyday Cookbook. I feel like this was around Christmas time. It was like the new It Cookbook, if you follow cooking circles on social media at all. Um, and it's been good. Um, I think I'm just going to, I'm not sure I'm going to buy it, but it, I definitely get it from your library and see if it's your style. The photography is phenomenal. It is absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah, as I'm flipping through this, I'm like, yes, you need to make more of these things. So the only things I've made so far is I made, they were called, I've got the pages marked here, Coco Van Blanc Meatballs. So this is ground chicken meatballs um, in a, a wonderful sauce and with mushrooms. It was it was actually delicious, but I have to tell you, it says prep is 15 minutes. I disagree and I am not a slow cook. I feel like I spent a lot of time. I did double it and that might have been with the problem because I gave some to a friend um, who I just wanted to help out with the meal. Um, but that was delicious. It just kind of was a lot of work. And then the other one I did is called, where is that? It's like a, we do carne asada a lot here. I kind of discovered carne asada, which is a weird thing for someone from Southern, Southern California to say. Um, discovered it during the pandemic where I was buying it from this uh, little tiny market on the other side of town. And um, so now we've bought it you know, the pre-season stuff in lots of places, the grocery store, Trader Joe's, Costco, uh, a couple different meat markets. And, and we really like it when we've even made it ourselves. But this one, um, she, you, uh, she has a recipe for all the, the, the spices that go into uh, carne asada, which the, it needs to marinate for quite a long time. And then she has you do this weird quesadilla cruncher wrap thing that's just kind of this sounds so terrible but it's like it's like a knockoff of something that you can get at Taco Bell but it's the homemade version I didn't do that part but it was a very good easy carne asada recipe so um and I've got a couple other recipes that I have bookmarked here that I'm definitely gonna try um ooh, spice roasted cauliflower looks good I'm gonna flip through and just spicy gingery chicken oh that looks delicious slow roasted Sunday dinner that's obviously the chicken section. Um, what do we have here? Spicy basil beef bowl. Oh, that looks really good. So all the, the um, it's not like just like one type of food. It's just, it's all over the map, but it's all good, you know, wholesome ingredients and, oh my gosh, salty chocolate pretzel rye cookies. Oh my gosh. So beautiful photography. Definitely. You might want to check that out. What else? What else? So the, 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 what's good about those is, um, you know, it makes a pretty healthy portion. And my new goal in the kitchen is to not cook every day. So there's a good amount of leftovers. And that has been very helpful. And um, one thing that I've learned, this little tip that I just want to pass on to you in case you do not know, um, what was I making? I think I was making an av a chicken avgo leveno soup recently. And um, I just cooked up the chicken. It called for shredded chicken. And I cooked up the chicken in the Instant Pot from Frozen. Uh, used the chicken tenders, you know, seasoned it a little bit, put a little bit of chicken stock in there. So that, you know, cooks up in no time. And then do you know that when you shred meat, like I have a KitchenAid mixer, you can put that chicken, that cooked chicken into your mixer with a normal paddle attachment and turn it on and it shreds it in 30 seconds, like perfectly. So um, I... 
had cooked a bunch of chicken for that soup, but I didn't know how much I was going to need. So I had a bunch left over. And then my husband turned that into chicken salad for chicken salad sandwiches, which were delicious. So now that's my new thing. Every once in a while, I make up a batch of hard boiled eggs in the Instant Pot. Now I make up a batch of um, just seasoned chicken and shred it up. And then he magically turns that into chicken salad for me. So that, um, if you've never shredded chicken with a mixer, definitely try that the next time you do it. Okay. I am at like an hour here on this podcast. So I had uh, some stored up things to tell you. Um, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Um, I don't have any new reviews, but if you get a chance just, um, to pop over to wherever you, your, whatever your podcast catcher you're using for most people, it's Apple and leave a rating and review. I would very much appreciate that. It really helps other people to find the podcast. You can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, on Instagram as Kristen Esser. And please consider joining the Simple Handmade Every Day private Facebook group where we can keep the conversation going. Have a wonderful week.